More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Welcome back to Bedrock USA. I'm Kathleen Quillian. And I'm Samantha Story. Here on our podcast, we delve into how political extremism is making inroads into local government. This week, we're going to talk about school boards. I remember during the pandemic, there was some really shouty clips of parents flying around online. They were upset about mask mandates and school closures. Yeah, but now we're seeing a pivot. Parents are organizing, especially on the right. They're running for school boards all over the country. They want to make big changes. They're anti-CRT. They're pro-book banning. And they're very concerned about who gets to use which bathroom. We're really generalizing here, but under all that anger is a parent who cares deeply about the welfare of their kid. We wanted to know more. Who are these parents and why are they so motivated to make change? So we spent time with one of the most influential school board members in the country. It was very clearly very pro-Black Lives Matter movement. So the next meeting, I remember going into my school board meeting thinking I was going to have an hour, five hours worth of people calling me racist because I just did not believe that was appropriate material for elementary students, particularly without parents being around or being prepared to have that conversation with their children. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Before we took a trip to Florida to meet the queen of school boards, we had to understand them better. So we called up the man who could break down all the latest school board trends. Hi, thanks for hopping on with us. Tell us about what you do. Yeah, my name is Doug Kronizel. I'm a staff writer with Ballotpedia. My role at the website is covering a lot to do with conflicts in school board elections. Is one of the big projects that I've been working on for a little bit over a year at this point. Um, so trying to find these races where hot button issues are coming up and seeing sort of who's running in the races and where they're spread out geographically. And then sometimes looking a little bit into the results from those races to see how things play out. Additionally, covering a number of other elections across the board. So we're kind of a jack of all trades sort of sort of organization. Okay, perfect. Before working on this podcast, I never really thought about school boards. I picture their meetings as pretty boring, but now they're taking over headlines. Why? Yeah. I mean, school boards have always kind of flown under the radar in terms of election coverage, but starting in 2021, we started to notice a large increase in recall efforts where voters in a school district gathered petitions to try to 
remove a member from office or, or force that member to stand for election earlier and potentially vote them out of office. You started to see a lot more stories about school board elections making their way up into kind of the more common regular dialogue in terms of what people are talking about, what campaigns are talking about and candidates are talking about. Uh, but as far as like what school boards do, that's something that's kind of a, a mixed bag. What these boards do varies across the country. But I think it's safe to say that before last year, people really weren't paying a lot of attention to what was going on in these elections. And now all of a sudden, people are paying very close attention to what's going on. What are they paying attention to? So there really have been these three large conflict issues that that we started noticing. So things like uh, critical race theory, the role of race in education curricula, district equity plans, things like that. The really kind of elephant in the room big one was the coronavirus pandemic, a large impetus for a lot of the early recall efforts we saw and then came up in a lot of school board elections. So things like mask requirements, reopening plans when those were still being discussed, vaccine requirements. And then a third issue has been sex and gender in schools. So things like sexual education curricula, content standards, and also the usage of gender-specific facilities like locker rooms and restrooms. So those are kind of the three big ones that we saw in 2021 and have been tracking ever since all across the country. Has anything changed today, like in 2022? The biggest change... I think has to do with uh, sex and gender in schools. Yeah. And I'm also seeing parental rights all over the place. Yeah. Parental rights is something that also we've started to see come up more frequently in 2022. And I'll say that from our side of things in trying to kind of, because we've got a pretty strict methodology and sort of what constitutes a stance being taken or what constitutes an issue coming up. So we don't cover a race if the only thing being talked about is parental rights, because parental rights has kind of been a catch-all, because parental rights could refer to parents' rights to decide whether or not to mask their children. It could refer to whether or not their children should be reading certain books regarding sexual education. So it's kind of obfuscated the issues a little bit, while also kind of standing in for all of them. They were saying, I support masks or I oppose masks. I support equity in racial education. I oppose critical race theory. So everyone was saying it and it was making things really easy for us in, in identifying stances. But since then, we've definitely seen parental rights kind of come in as a stand-in that really anybody can use. Like you could be on one side or the other of, of any of these issues and say, I support parental rights. And so you're saying the thing without actually saying the thing, so to speak. Um, so th that's definitely something that, that we've seen. Okay, so let's step back a second. Maybe you could give us a quick overview of the school board landscape. Over the summer, Ballotpedia released an analysis report of the makeup of school board elections nationwide. For starters, we wanted to know how many school boards are there, how many school board members are there. And those were two numbers that we found out, but it definitely takes a, a lot of work to do it. We found 82,423 school board members across 13,194 school districts. And that work, you know, there's, there's some starting points that we were able to utilize, but with school district consolidations, uh, new names that school districts have, we 
basically had to go to every single, we looked up every single one, trying to go to all their URLs, all their websites to find the names of all the members who were there as of the start of the 2022-2023 school year. And I'd say the biggest takeaway from the report was the gender makeup of school boards, specifically how many women serve on school boards across the country. Women make up over 50% of the U.S. population, but generally hold a smaller percentage of positions in government. You got 28% of seats in Congress, 18% of governorships, 31% of state legislative seats. But from our report, we found that women hold 43% of school board seats nationwide. And they actually control over 50% of all school board seats in 12 states. Democrats control five of these states currently. Republicans control three. And then the other four have split governments. But at the very top of the list, you've got Florida with 59% of its school board members are female. Wow, that's so interesting. What are some other trends you've noticed? One of the most noticeable things that we've seen is that with these races kind of flying under the radar, incumbents, when they run for re-election, have tended to do pretty well. From 2018 to 2022, the average was incumbents losing around 17 or 18% of the races they ran in which gives them a win rate in the 80s, which is pretty high. But in these conflict races, in these races where these hot button issues pop up, we've seen that just under one third of incumbents who run for re-election end up losing to newcomers, losing to challengers, uh, which puts the win rate down into the, the 60s, which is a pretty sizable difference. Whoa, that's a huge difference. How many of these races have you looked into? We've covered two elections so far with these conflict races. We covered the November races in 2021 and then April 5th races in Wisconsin, Missouri, and Oklahoma. That was kind of the first big school board election day of 2022. And in these races, we found that either between 30 to 36% of the seats were won by candidates who opposed things like masks requirements and critical race theory and certain certain aspects of sexual education curricula. Now, I will say these aren't necessarily win rates. Since we don't know the stances of every candidate who is running in these races, we just know the stances of who won these races. But what this does tell us is gives us a snapshot of what the makeup of these school boards will look like after the election. And I think that's something that people find very important to know uh, is sort of now that the dust has settled and the ballots have all been cast, what's going to change? You know, how, how are things going to look moving forward as these individuals, you know, assume office and start crafting policy in school districts across the country? More on that change after the break. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast. And this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So school boards are generally nonpartisan, but that appears to be changing. Have you noticed this as well? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we've seen in these races in general is just a ton more attention in terms of who's making endorsements and who's endorsing candidates. But probably the most unique thing uh, that that has come across our plates was when Governor Ron DeSantis issued a slate of endorsements in Florida. To the best of our knowledge, we had never seen a governor or a state executive official endorsing a slew of candidates. Uh, but we saw it there. And then actually his opponent, Charlie Crist, also endorsed a slate of candidates in Florida as well. And I, sh- I shouldn't say that now this is a thing that everybody's doing because it really isn't a thing that everybody's doing. We saw DeSantis and Chris do it, and that's just about it. There there were a few other endorsements that popped up um, around the country, but in terms of kind of putting together a slate, kind of making it sort of a media blast, something that these endorsers wanted people to know. Because usually when someone makes an endorsement, it's the candidate who gets the endorsement it's their responsibility to go yell it from the rooftops that they got this endorsement. But in these instances, it was the endorsers themselves, DeSantis and and Christ, who were going out of their way to let people know who they were endorsing in these school board races and letting them know why they were endorsing in these school board races. And the why had a lot to do with these conflict issues that have been taking on an outsized role in a number of these elections over the past year. Yeah, we've noticed a handful of groups who are capitalizing on those conflict issues. As far as kind of having a presence in a large number of states and a large number of races, Moms for Liberty is the one that that we've seen appear pretty frequently and kind of equipping candidates with things they might not have known because they've never run for office before. It's not like a intuitive thing to do. And messaging and materials along those lines, you know, it, it costs a lot of money to run a poll. But if you've got you know, organizations that have message tested or, or done that work for you and they are able to share that with you, that can be an invaluable thing for school board candidates. Yeah, it seems like they're more organized than ever. I mean, that's that's for sure like the double-edged sword of like the most interesting and most frustrating part about all the attention that's been coming to school board elections right now is that you do see like all of these new sort of paradigm shifts or all these new, like, I don't know, you, you didn't really hear of um, people organizing for school board candidates like around college campuses or, or anything like that. That wasn't a thing that that happened. People who ran for school board were, 
you know, they got some kids in the district. Maybe they got, you know, their Monday nights are free. Like they, they can go around and knock on some doors, like talk to their neighbors. So it's like, it's equally fascinating, but then frustrating because it's like happening at such a breakneck pace and in different ways all over the country that it can feel like almost impossible to track and follow. There's definitely a lot to work with that's been given to us over the past year. Yeah, it feels like school board issues are not just happening in schools. Like there's some kind of bigger agenda at play. This is not the first time really that people have been interested in like an issue pertaining to education, but it's kind of the first time that the issues have had something to do with education. You know, all these things, race and education, um, mass requirements, sex and gender in schools, they all are grounded in what's happening in schools, but they also seem to be conversations about things that are bigger than schools themselves. You know, if you think back to like Common Core when that was happening, you know, that was a thing that people talked about. People talked about that running for Congress, um, but you know, it was kind of esoteric, right? It's like an education issue being talked about in schools. But what we've been seeing here is just kind of, yeah, an entirely different sort of way of approaching these issues where on the one hand, yes, they have everything to do with schools because they're they're pertaining to how students are going to be affected by policies that these school boards release. But then on the other hand, they also seem to be speaking to issues that are bigger than schools and, and extend out into the national sphere in a way that I don't feel like we've seen in the past. And I think that that is something that has taken school boards. It's definitely taken me by surprise as someone who watches school boards. So I'm assuming and it's not good to assume, but I'm assuming that school board members themselves have also been taken by surprise. I mean, I've read enough from people saying that they have to say that I don't think it's an uncommon feeling for school board members to have because you have these individuals who for so long had just been, you know, meeting in the gymnasium every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. There's two people in the audience. One person fell asleep. They go through the paces but now all of a sudden, there's all of this attention, all this focus, the spotlight pointed on what school boards are doing. You know, that's that's one aspect of this attention that I always find interesting to hear about, whether or not an incumbent chooses to run for re-election or says, I'm not running for re-election again because of some experiences that they've had. The one thing that I, I would love to be able to quantify more, but for the time being, have only been able to see in terms of what we've spotted as we've gone around and identified and gathered and collected information about these school districts. We'll be back after the break. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern-day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That was great. Uh, Really appreciate you all. Well, Doug was absolutely lovely, and we learned so much. He really was, wasn't he? So let's recap. It seems like parents are not just mad, they're taking action. And they're running for school boards and pushing out plenty of incumbents. Yeah, and if they continue to win, it feels like they're potentially going to have a ton of influence on policy. All summed up under that tidy umbrella of parental rights. I also thought it was really interesting how more women are serving on school boards. Florida was the highest, right? He said 59% of the school board members are female. Makes sense why Florida's ground zero for Moms for Liberty. I read a bit more about that group. They've only been around for over a year, and they're already up to like 100,000 members. And it looks like there are chapters in almost every state. That's practically an army, Kathleen. Hi, Bridget. Hi. So it makes sense we had to meet one of their generals. Since we talked to Doug, Samantha and I have been doing a ton of reporting. We met someone we want you to meet, a school board member from Florida who co-founded the Moms for Liberty organization. She's been a recurring guest on Steve Bannon's War Room podcast, and she has Governor Ron DeSantis's ear. She helped him craft the parental rights bill, which her opponents call the Don't Say Gay bill. And on top of that, she's now a director of an ultra-conservative group that plans to help spread that ideology. I'm Samantha. I'm Bridget. Sorry, perpetually late. It's my life. But again, Samantha, we're generalizing. Because at the core, she is a mom who cares about her children's education. <laughs> you were really, no, yeah, so now I understand what you're saying. Yeah, we yeah. don't know what we're doing in the beginning. Yeah, and I, I still don't. don't. I, I always say, people are like, what's the best uh, advice you can give? And the best I got was trust your instinct because every person in the entire world is going to give you some kind of advice. Do this, don't do this, mm-hmm. don't do this. And But there's completely different parenting styles. And I think your instincts is like, you know it. Like, it's built inherently into you. Yeah. So I think it's funny. You don't know, but you just trial and error figure it out. That's next time on Bedrock USA. This episode was reported, produced, and hosted by us, Samantha Story and Kathleen Quillian. Original music and scoring by Zachary Walter and audio engineering by Blake Maples. And additional editing help from Jennifer Sondag, head of Bloomberg City Lab. Thank you to Doug Kernizel of Ballotpedia for taking so much time to speak with us. Bedrock USA is a production of Bloomberg City Lab and iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts. 
of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.